Second Timothy chapter four and verse one, Paul made this statement, and we'll look at it in concluding, Lord willing, today. He said of John Mark, he is profitable for the ministry. He is profitable for the ministry. It's a young he was a young man, but at that time he was 35 years older when it was said that he was profitable for the ministry. Are we profitable for the ministry? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, the word ministry is used many times in this section of scripture. Let me just read this portion of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 to 12. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter but of the spirit. For the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death. Written and engraved in stones. Ten commandments. Was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. For the glory of his countenance which glory was to be done away. Remember they put the veil on because the glory would fade. If that ministration was so glorious. Listen to what he said about the ministry now. How shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? That's the New Testament. The ministry of the spirit as he ministers to us and convicts, converts and sanctifies us. For if the ministration of condemnation, the Ten Commandments, be glory, how much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory? Today it's a glorious ministry that we can be involved with. Are we profitable for the ministry? For even that which was made glorious, in verse 10, had, had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, the ministration of Moses, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. There's a little talk on ministry right there in the word of God. It's a glorious ministry. What is the business of the church today? Why does the church exist? For what purpose are you and I here who are saved? Is it not for ministry? Ministration of what God has given us. Look at the reading that Bernie read this morning in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. It's very evident here that the reason we've been left here when we got saved... <laughs> is for this ministration or this ministry in chapter 17 and verse 14 I have given them thy word the world hath hated them because they are not of the world neither even as I am not of the world I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but thou shouldest keep them from the evil that they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. And that speaks to us about sanctification as what we should be doing as Christians. 
sanctify them, well, in the next verse, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And so we are here, we have been left, he hasn't taken us home yet, for ministry. What are we doing? That's the question. (laughs) And this is a, a very prevalent topic in the scripture. If we are, as a church, are not creating ministered-minded people, servants of Christ, then we're not doing what we should be doing. I say we should not get out of the business of of the ministry of doing that, but we should get uh, to examine ourselves of what we are doing. Have there there been people gone from this church into full-time ministry? Everyone's in ministry. And understand that. I don't say that, you know, a carpenter, he is a minister of the Lord where he works. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when we think of full-time ministry, have there been people gone out? Yes, there have been people gone out. And praise the Lord for that. And that's what the church is here. We had some people visiting on one occasion for uh, some event we had and the children were involved, the young people were involved, and they were from Uniting Church. And uh, I know which one it was, so I look every time and go past <laughs> to see how, how many are, uh, are coming along. But they said, how do you have young people in your church? How do you, they, we have no young people in our church. <laughs> and it's because I think we get invol- them involved in ministry. I mean, it's the Lord's doing, isn't it? And I pray that your children, if you have children here, uh, are being trained in the church here for ministry. And that you are doing that in your home, you're doing, we're doing that in the church and backing that up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word and the ministry that we have today. And I pray, Lord, that we will be faithfully fulfilling the ministry that we have as individuals and collectively as a church to the people that come here. And that, Lord, we might say, yes, I want to be involved, each one of us, in the ministry by the conclusion of the sermon today. Bless the word for your glory and praise. We thank you. We can meet in your name. And Lord, we're still here. We haven't been taken. And we're still involved in your work in the ministry of reconciliation. Bless the word as it's given today, here and in every place, that your servants have prepared and are proclaiming the truth of the word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The centrality of ministry in the word and here are a few examples and you didn't don't look all these up we wouldn't get through the first point the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men that's second timothy 2 2 that's what we ought to be doing and that sort of verse is used in ordination services These are faithful men that the word of God has been committed to that they might go out into full-time ministry. And Paul said that to Timothy. The things you've heard from me, you you pass on to somebody else. Uh, Aren't you glad they did that? Because we wouldn't have the word today if it wasn't for those men that have passed it on down through generations. Many generations. You read in the conclusion of most of Paul's epistles... And you could refer to the likes of Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 to 17, or the whole chapter of Romans chapter 16, the last chapter, where Paul 
points to the servants of the Lord, those that were involved in the ministry with him, co-laborers in the Lord, and he commends them to the people that he's writing to. I commend to you, you know, different service. And you read through that list. We read through the Bible and sometimes we don't see the obvious. <laughs> but that is obvious. And he's writing to, the, say, the church at Ephesus or the church at Corinth or the church at Rome and the church at Colossae. And he commends them for their service in the ministry. And I wonder if some of the people, well, that, <laughs> when that letter, those letters were read to the congregations as they received them, went, oh, my name's not on the list. Maybe it made them think, well, am I involved in the ministry? I'm not commended because I wasn't involved. Didn't have my hand to the plough, as, as we say. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 6.21, their names are mentioned. But listen to other verses that talk about the purpose for which we've been saved. Matthew 25.14-30 to 30, speak, I know it's, this is taken out of context because it's talking about the tribulation and things in that chap, chapter 25. But it talked there about the talents that have been given to people. And we take that and we can take that as a sermon and apply that to us today, can't we? Different amounts of talents given to different people. And whether you've got one or ten or however, God wants us to use our talents. He doesn't want us to waste what he has invested in our lives. You, you, you can read in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through to 27, the pounds that were distributed, ten, five or one pound to different people. And at the, in the midst of that, in verse 13, he said, Occupy till I come. Ministry. And in Matthew 20, verse 6, there's the talk of the harvest. And the man went out at different hours of the day to hire people to go and harvest the field. The fields are ripe unto harvest. And, and he come to the last ones in the last part of the day and said, Why stand ye here idle? Why stand ye here idle all day? God doesn't want people to be idle. He's invested life to them. He's invested new life to them through the sacrifice of his son. And he's urging us to get into his work. To be busy about his business. To be ministering for him. And as I keep on saying, you have people that you have contact with that none, no one else in this church has contact with. You have influence in their lives. Look, we're coming up to Christmas. What do you do? I think most of us celebrate Christmas. Some people don't. But if you do, <laughs> what can you do starting this week? Send out a Christmas card. Send out a message that you know those people that none of us know. Give the gospel. Jesus Christ was born sometime. It may not have been on the 25th. Probably wasn't. But we do and can celebrate Christmas in that way and give and share. But that's a ministry that we all can do and all can participate in. I was thinking this morning of my... A surgeon that did the heart valve, he said, send me a Christmas card every year to tell me you're still alive <laughs> and that the surgery worked, you know. So he's not a, not a Christian. He's a Jewish person. I, maybe I should have sent him a Hanukkah card, not a Christmas card. <laughs> I don't know that he's... Uh, but anyway, 
we need to get about the business, don't we? Occupy till he comes. Why stand ye here idle all day? The harvest is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Matthew 9.37 First Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, it gives a whole list of gifts that are given to the church. And so we're in no doubt from the biblical perspective that we are to be involved in ministry, in serving the Lord. Now, whatever your hand findeth to doeth, the proverb said, do it with all thy might. Take a hold of it, get a hold of it and do it. Um, <clears throat> We we'll turn to 1, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7 to 13. The centrality of ministry that is peppered throughout the word of God is obvious. This is God's intent for us. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And then 4. These people in that verse 11 are given for the perfecting of the saints, for maturing, to help people to grow in the Lord. You see, we can't all be pastors, can we? Because there'll be no one to hear. We all need to fill the role God's given us. Perfecting of the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. That means the work of what? <laughs> the ministry. And the ministry is not less necessary the minister. He can do his work in the ministry. But it's the work of the saints to do the work of the ministry of the church. And the larger the church, the more opportunity to minister there arises. That's just a, that's the way it works. That's the reality of it. As God gives gifted people to the church with different talents and abilities, then we're, we can occupy ourselves doing those things so the centrality of ministry in the word the opportunities for ministry in the church and really we've covered some of this but lift up your eyes it reads in john's gospel chapter 4 and verse 35 lift up your eyes and look unto the fields for they are white already to harvest i think they started harvesting this week he did but he didn't so They've, there's a little harvest, isn't there? Hmm. Not, not smiling, but sort of, a little harvest. But sometimes there's bumper harvests. And folk, there is a bumper harvest in the world today, isn't there? How many people in the world? Seven billion people and growing by hundreds and hundreds of thousands a year. You say, oh, well, I don't see any harvest ready. <laughs> Open your eyes and look around. I mean, since we've moved to Albury, where we moved was only Bil Bilba and Banyan Street. And now there's all that whole other bit. And Thaguna didn't exist, but one, a couple of houses. And uh, none of that area out there. Uh, West Albury, over there. And everywhere you look, every town in the world is growing, growing, growing. More people that need to know the Lord. Lift up your eyes. There's ministry to be occupied in. You know, there's I should have bought a one box of the tracks. <laughs> there's 20,000 of those to be delivered. And if, if one person did it, it'd take a long time. But if many people did it, 
do it. It doesn't take that long as we trot around doing that. And thank you for those that have been able to do that. <clears throat> the harvest is great, as we read before, but the laborers are few. The <laughs> solution there is pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. The, the pastor's prayer is pray for the laborers, praying for the laborers that they might go out. Turn to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. You know, the, the saying is that no man hath hired us. That can be, that's the responsibility of the leadership, isn't it? No man's put us to work is what the complaint. Why are you standing idle all day? No man has hired us. We want to be hired. We have some things to do. You know, I think I'll share this with you. I might have shared it already at prayer meeting, but there was an elderly man said, I want to get involved in the ministry. Maybe it was in church. And I said, oh, you can't hardly get out of that chair. What are you going to do? How? But he had a plan. And he, he did do it. And I didn't know who did it, but he did do something. And I thought, yep, I knew what he meant when he was saying that. <laughs> because the results come a few months later. And he, 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 could, he did what he could do. And that's what we need to do. We need to do what we can do that God has a, given us the ability and opportunity to do. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, we read this. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And a lot of fainting fits in amongst Christians and, and giving up and quitting and, and not being, as Brother Dunn said, faithful. <laughs> Moses was faithful in all his house and he had plenty of occasions he could have quit. In fact, there's ten complaining, grumbling groups of people in the, in the 40 years that he led them through the wilderness. And he said, ah, at one point... God was going to destroy them. And Moses said, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Another point, Moses said, well, you know, destroy them all. Because <laughs> he was at wit's end. But he kept going and he was faithful to the end. We faint not as we have therefore opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially to those that are the household of faith. You see, there's the, not only the ministry without the church, there's a the ministry within the church, as it said there. Uh, which one comes first, actually? <laughs> what does it say in verse 10? As we have opportunity, let's do good to those, especially to those that are of the household of faith. There are increasing numbers of elderly people that need help in the church or need a visit or just a word of encouragement. And it would be wise to do that, to encourage them, because one day you're going to be there. <laughs> one day you're going to be in that bed or that chair and can't move around and can't get out. You know, there's one elderly person that said to me <clears throat> just recently, they have high respect for a certain family in the church that got them and took them out. And I think they've only been out once. But they had high regard for that person because they did it once, some years ago. You see, they, they do appreciate that. That's ministry within the church, isn't it? Especially to them who are of the household of faith. And pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is to what? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. That's Bible. That's what it says. 
Yes, I know we are busy, and and my thought is in ministry for the in the church. If you have one main ministry, your main ministry is your family, but one main ministry within the church, and don't be overcome with ministry to the detriment of your family, because if you lose the family, then you lose your opportunity to minister too. That's Bible in 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 the Word of God. So let us do good to each other and to those who have the household of faith. <clears throat> those without. I was, I was travelling around the Tablelands and I saw a, a spud harvester, harvesting spuds, I think I told you. And I took two pictures with my phone because you can send. I've, I've even, <laughs> I'm even techno to do that now. I can send a, I send the bulletin to Elise by my phone now. But... Uh, took a picture and I sent it to the the fellow that I've worked for and witnessed to that I haven't heard from for some years down Mr Fiella Barton's and, and he, his dad I mean his, his son Anthony I thought you know just an opportunity I've given them tracks of that and say so I just thought of you Anthony and this is just the thing I when I saw this bud harvester some way to break the ice to minister to those without because it is becoming increasingly hard to minister to those that are without, who are not saved. Because they have so much in this life, they're content. But they're not considered the life to come. Opportunities for ministry. Have we been doing the task? Are we somewhat sometimes overwhelmed by the opportunities to do this or the other? Like a, what do we call a fellow's running around and can't, don't know what to do next? <laughs> Sometimes a pastor might feel like that, you know, this, that, the other. Settle down and just start in and do the work. If God speaks to you about doing a ministry, don't say, oh, that's for brother so-and-so, or that's for sister so-and-so. They can do that ministry. <laughs> ah, God spoke to you about it, didn't he? Don't have an aversion to Christian work. <laughs> have have the, the understanding I've been saved He's gifted me, he's given me opportunity, now I'll take the opportunity with both hands and do the work. It's a glorious ministry. That's what it was called back in the chapter we read earlier, was, isn't it? This is going to be more important than anything when eternity rolls on. It is, truly, the eternal business of God. Souls of people. Ministry to one another. Rewards will be given for faithful service. It's in the scripture. And so do the work of the ministry at whatever age we are. Uh, <clears throat> we, start, we read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, <clears throat> we have a great ministry. And we started with that one. And just back in, well, a bit further on in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 there, it talks about having received the grace of God, not in vain. God's grace has come upon us in vain if we are using the opportunities we have and life that we have for ourselves instead of for the glorious ministry God has gifted us to do. I pray that he hasn't wasted his time. And then just back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 through to 21, it tells us there, 
Well, let's turn there because I think you should mark this one in your, in your Bible. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, he's saved. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What a great privilege. We were his enemies, now we're reconciled and we're his friends. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's given us, that ministry. All of us. We can help others to be reconciled to God. Look, I've found the way. I'm a beggar that has found bread. Here's, the, here's what the bread is. It's bread of eternal life. Take it as I have. And be excited about the ministry God's given you. The obstacles to this ministry. The third point in our lives. What are the obstacles? Well, selfishness. The Bible tells us if we lose our life... For his ministry, we get our life. That's the reason and purpose. Lose it for God and you really find the purpose of life. And we're in Bible college many years ago. I think it was Pastor Buddy Smith wrote up on the blackboard at the end of the lesson, one of the lessons, I don't know what it was on. Burn out for God. The next preacher come along, I won't say who that was, and said, no, don't burn out for God, then you're of no use. <laughs> There's a bit of a contradiction between lecturers. They didn't know what the other was putting, how they were putting it. <laughs> and then there was a bit of discussion amongst the, the rabble student body <laughs> that said, yeah, I think we should. What does the scripture say? Spent and be spent. Spend and be spent for the Lord. If you save your life for yourself, in eternity you lose it. If you use it for others now, you gain it. In, in Matthew sixteen twenty four to 27, that speaks there about denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me. Can you imagine the disciples or imagine the parents or the fathers of the disciples as the Lord Jesus stood on the Sea of Galilee and said, follow me, you young fellows, follow me. <laughs> and they up out of the boat. Now there was some pre-work done on that on them before that they out of their boat and said see you later dad i'm going to follow him the messiah and what would a father felt like i know this personally <laughs> what <laughs> you're leaving all this business that i built up to go after somebody you don't even hardly know he's only the messiah <laughs> and they did and a lot of them were fishermen, weren't they, that the Lord called? Matthew, in the, in the, he was a tax collector. But God bids us. And, and those disciples now have been rejoicing for almost 2,000 years that they took the choice, the right choice for ministry. Selfishness can keep us. The rich young ruler is an illustration of that. Sin can keep us from doing the work of the ministry in in Hebrews 11.25, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And how many people have I seen of my generation and all the generations till now that have enjoyed taking up and just enjoying themselves in through, in through life and in sin? They think they're having a good time. 
and it's all going to come to an end really quickly and abruptly one day. What a terrible waste to get into eternity and, and look God in the face and, well, I just spent it on me. I just used everything you gave me on myself. You think of the nations around the world that are giving themselves for their own pleasure, for their own production and promotion. What nation would you think of is one of the top ones? Let's, say, let's give two of the nations that are just giving themselves to themselves. America is, but it has sent out thousands and thousands of missionaries. And God, I think, has blessed them for that. But what other nation? I think I heard someone whisper it. China is getting amassing wealth amazingly in the last 40, 50 years. Do they believe in God? Majority don't, but there are a lot of Christians there. But one day they'll have to face God and give an account for all the things that he blessed. Well, he allowed them to use. <laughs> Using the world, but not abusing the world, the scriptures tell us. Let us lay aside sin that so does easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, us older ones are, have pretty well you know, run a race, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> That's looking at Pastor McConnell then. <laughs> but some of you younger ones have got the race to run. And it goes quickly. <laughs> Just so quickly. Use the opportunities. Don't let sin have dominion over your mortal body that you may please yourself. Let God have dominion. Sin, selfishness, short-sightedness. I think this is one thing, the obstacle within the ministry <clears throat> that gets a hold of us. Because we're down here with material things, with you know, cars and wood and buildings and, and so forth and so on, we, we are occupied by them. They're, they're the things. But we can't see God. We can see him through the word, but he's not there, you know, tapping us on the shoulder physically and saying, come on, get into my work. Go deliver them tracks that, you, you know, you said you would yesterday and didn't. Maybe the Lord's speaking to someone, I don't know. <laughs> Get occupied. Don't let short-sightedness and this world only occupy our vision. In 2 Peter 1.9 it reads, Blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We, we forget that we've been saved from our sins and we cannot see afar off. We're short-sighted. <clears throat> it's... When I get in a car with someone who's else who is driving and they're, they're occupied in talking to you all the time and you, they're looking over talking to you and you're looking straight ahead, you know, <laughs> because you're afraid they're going to go off the road. You, you sort of... <laughs> I haven't ever got to the point. Just look at the road, please. <laughs> you got your my life in your hands. But the, the, the failing to see ahead... Of what is ahead 
you know, planning ahead of what could could happen. It's pretty dangerous out there. As, as I was told when I was getting my licence, you don't only drive for yourself, you drive for the other fella because he's going to be dodging in front of you <coughs> in Melbourne or Sydney <laughs> and Albury now. But <coughs> short sighted, keep the focus to the future. 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm just mentioning these. Some of them have been put into the outline there. <coughs> Paul there in chapter 7 and verse 29 to 33 of 1 Corinthians in his discourse on whether one should marry or not and he's talking to single people in that portion of scripture those that aren't married and uh, you need to distinguish who he's talking to in chapter 7 otherwise you get it all mixed up and there he's talking to single saved Christian people and he's saying one should not marry, oh, let, let me read this, now, on whether one should marry or not, he said people in that position ought to take into consideration how short time is and have the long view of life and not be short-sighted. And he's saying, and he could speak from experience and he could speak, this is my testimony, I have remained in a state of being unmarried that I might what? Just give myself totally to the ministry. And he could see the long sight, couldn't he? In First Peter 1, 13 to 14, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end, to the end, looking forward for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or life. And so look to the future. Keep your focus there. <clears throat> I've wrote this down. I marvel at the ignorance of people to how God has said his son's building a body, a building a bride in his work on, the, on this earth. And, and they say this. Why doesn't somebody do this? Why doesn't somebody do that? As they see things that need to be done. What should I say to a person that says that? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Why don't you do it? If you didn't hear that. You saw it. God brought it to your attention. Do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about ministry, opportunities. And I'm, I'm glad when some people come and say, well, Pastor, I saw this and I, I, got, I, I did it. <laughs> I took the opportunity to minister in that way and did it. <clears throat> Who is the church? It's not a building. It's the people. And if everybody in the church served as God has challenged them to what a blessing it would be. In conclusion, let me run through John Mark's life. We started with him. Paul said he is profitable for the ministry in 2 Timothy 4.11. And this is a whole sermon in itself, but just go through it quickly. He was born in, in a rich family. In Acts chapter 12, verse 11 to 12. Remember when Peter got out of jail? he went to John Mark's house or John Mark's parents' house. They're having a prayer meeting for Peter on the occasion. Rhoda, was it Rhoda, knocked on the door? I mean, answered the door when Peter was knocking on the door. 
And he was, she was so shocked, she shut the door and went and told him. <laughs> Didn't let him in. <laughs> but, no, you're mad, they said. No, he's out there, he's out there. And John Mark had experienced these things in that family. It was a rich family. And it is hard for rich, rich ones to commit themselves to ministry because it's denying self, which, if you're rich, often doesn't happen. But Peter went there to the house. And the second occasion... In Acts chapter 13 and verse 5, this is about, this is some years later, maybe a decade later, 10 years later, John Mark was chosen for a missionary journey and he went with Paul and Barnabas, Uncle Barnabas, emphasize that, Uncle Barnabas, on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. What exciting days that would have been. What vision he had, what you know, in his mind, well, I'm going to walk the world, literally. I'm going to walk the known world with these men of God and let everybody know about the Lord Jesus Christ that don't know already. And then in Acts chapter 13 and verse 13, this is about one year later, where do we find John Mark? Back in Jerusalem. He chickened out. So he was chosen for the journey to, mission, to go out on missions. He chickened out, and this is for the sake of an outline, <laughs> when the going got tough, because remember, he'd been brought up, I believe, in a rich home, and the pressure wasn't applied. Things came easy. But let's not write him off. <laughs> in Acts chapter 13, verse 37, when Paul and Barnabas were about to go on their second missionary journey, what happened? The discussion of taking John Mark came up. Uncle Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. And Paul said, no way. He, he, he took off from the ministry last time. He's not coming with us again. And the division was so sharp between these men that they went different directions. And Paul and, uh, I mean, Paul and Silas went and Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus in Acts chapter 13. And some say down to Alexandria in Egypt in our night classes. Then, fifthly, so it was the cause of division. He was chosen, he chickened out. He was the cause of division between Paul and Barnabas, though not of his own making, that was between the two elderly older men. But then he was commended by Paul to the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10. That's only about a year later. So in that year... Paul had seen that this man was faithful for the ministry. He was qualified now. He'd, he'd learnt from the school of hard knocks that ministry is not easy. You know, the, the pastor only works on Sunday. Yeah, right. <clears throat> I know you all laugh. <laughs> but just... Wouldn't it be good, Pastor McConnell? It's good to have another pastor here. Wouldn't it be good, Pastor McConnell, to say, just do it for a month <laughs> and see what it's like? I'm not complaining, but if you're going to go into full-time ministry, you, you, preaching is the privilege, the icing on the cake, but there's all the other things that happen and all the other things and... and um, <clears throat> Wakings, or there's a, ver there's a verse that Paul talked about when he was thinking of all the churches and all the ministry and all the things that were going wrong and right. And he said it really burdened him. And 
It's not wakings. It's a similar word to that where he lied awake at night thinking about people, thinking about their problems, praying about these things that were coming up all the time. At this time, I think uh, John Mark was getting ready for the ministry. He had to be battered around a bit <laughs> and learn some things with Barnabas and Paul and through his own experience to be prepared. Um, <clears throat> I'm not knocking going into the ministry. I'm just saying if you're going to go, you need to be ready. And uh, there's a lot of things to get ready. And it's probably easier to do it when you're younger because you're more pliable. <laughs> when you get older, there are some things, oh, you know, what, how, how dare you treat me like that? How dare you talk about me behind my back like that? You know, the, birds seem to have the ability to bring the message back to you and you go, what? They didn't say that about me. They did. <laughs> you know, these whispers come back and I don't go looking for them. It's like the rocks speak <laughs> back to you about what's being said. But then John Mark, in Philemon verse 24, you know what he's doing then? His co-laborer with Paul in the ministry. <laughs> He's back to where he started. You know, it only took him about 20 years <laughs> to get back to where he should have been to start with. And then <clears throat> in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11, Paul called for John Mark when he was in, in prison and about to be martyred. He said he's profitable to me for the ministry. Now, to go to Paul when he's on death row, you're putting your life in danger. <laughs> ah, you're another one of those. Let's throw him in the clink too. <laughs> but he said he's profitable to me for the ministry. He had developed the ability. And I think those words would have always been in John Mark's life till he died. The Apostle Paul <laughs> said, I'm profitable for the ministry. I'm ready to be put to work in the ministry. That is the ministry of the gospel. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, the, one of the last mentions of John Mark, he's called a son by the apostle Peter. So he's commended of two apostles. So don't give up to go into the work of the ministry. Things might not start well, but they can end well. It's better to end well than start well, is it not? To end the ministry on the note that John Mark did. Let me quote these verses to do with ministry and I close. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy or ministry, and he went through a list, let us wait on our ministering. Let us do the work. 1 Corinthians 16:15. I beseech you, brethren, know the house of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, listen to this, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You know, we hear of addiction today with drugs. But God said the, through Paul that these of Achaia have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They're not in the ministry as a pastor, a minister, but they have ministered to the saints. They just said, Whatever I can do for a Christian in his travels or a minister on his travels, we will do it. Addicted to the ministry. Uh, it's, it's a bit like um, Dr. Luke. 
You know, he addicted himself to the ministry, but you know what his ministry was? Often looking after Paul in, in, in doing and meeting his needs. And only Luke is with me. And that's where the context of uh, John Mark is given, that he's profitable, bring him too, because I like Luke and John Mark to be around me while I'm facing death here in prison. That's what he said. Another verse is Colossians 4.17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Fulfill it. 2 Timothy 4.5 But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Full proof of thy ministry. And 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Profitable for the ministry. What about us? What has God called us to do? What in life is God, uh, where, is, where he's got you, how are you administering to those around you? And uh, I think as Brother Dunn said this morning, you know, we become fearful, or someone today, we become fearful of the faces of men and we don't do the work that God has bidden us to do. Be like that couple that we met up there in the Tablelands. They, they got a caravan. No, no, maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> they got a caravan and they went round to all the outback towns in New South Wales and tracted the whole area and they've done it over and over for 30 years they've been doing that giving the message out that's what god convicted them to do and they're back in a local church but they go out and they come back to the local church and go out and you know god can give you the thought the idea the challenge to what god wants you to do you know what has he gifted you to do and i think the greatest servant of all that gave himself to the ministry of course is the lord jesus christ and in chapter 13 of the book of John, he spoke about taking the towel, girt himself about, and washed the disciples' feet. He ministered to the saints, didn't he? And he does minister to the saints. And Brother Don mentioned that this morning too. Let's do the work of the ministry. It doesn't mean pastoring necessarily. It means the work of the ministry in the entire church. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that... We would have the long sight of life and eternity and not look just to the short-sighted things of this world that will vanish away and perish. But let us set our affections on things above and let us lay up treasures in heaven through doing the work of the ministry that you've given us all to do in our lives. And Lord, challenge us with what it is. It might be raising a family, work of a ministry, Lord, there's so many areas. Open our ears to your voice as you speak in Jesus' name. Amen.